Hello, this is Angie Meadows. This is The Rocker Recovery. We're coming to you from Expression Studio in Huntington, West Virginia. We're glad to have you for this radio show. Also be aired on my podcast called Rocker Recovery. You can find the PDF on enablersjourney.com. Today I want to continue our fifth lesson on fear. We've discussed recognizing that we are fearful, identifying our fears, evaluating our fears and our functional versus our dysfunctional coping skills, the different types of fear, choosing fear over trust, not being a victim, and refusing unsafe people in our life that induce fear through dysfunctional behaviors like substance abuse, domestic violence, blaming, accusing, arguing, and railing us. We're going to talk about how to turn our fears into faith building prayers by looking at the life of Joshua. Joshua was a leader who needed to be prepared for a multitude of battles. He would lead Israel to conquer giants, destroy strong-walled cities, which would be like our strongholds, to drive out all the inhabitants and to claim the promised land. Conquering the giant of fear and taking hold of our place of rest will require the same strategy recommended to Joshua. We too must fight to gain our inheritance and then be diligent to keep it. So let's see what strategy Joshua used. Joshua chapter 1 verses 8 and 9. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. And then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Verse 9, Have not I commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you will go. So we will talk about verse 8 today, meditation. And then on another day, we will talk about verse 9, which is courage. The secret weapon that we need is the Word of God. And this Word of God must be put in our mouth. We must meditate upon it day and night and put it in our heart. Obey it and put it into action to be able to conquer in the battle battle of spiritual warfare. Now let's think of a giant of fear as a spiritual enemy. Consider yourself a soldier in training. You are preparing to fight a battle, not to be fought with carnal weapons. The battlefield is your mind, and you must reclaim your mind and your thinking. In Romans 7, 14-23, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is to is present with me, but how to perform that is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Sin dwells in me. Evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin and death, which is in my members. So there are two laws here. There is the law of sin and death and the law of life and liberty. So let's talk about this. So so what are some of the symptoms to a spiritual captivity, to being under that law of sin and death? Well, I'm carnal. means I'm not walking in the spirit. I'm walking in the flesh. I'm sold under sin. I hate what I do. I can't stop what I do. I live in sin. I have no control over that. 
There's no good thing in me. I want to do good, but I can't figure out how to do it. And there's evil present living in me. And here's your question to know whether or not there's evil in you that the Lord's wanting to bring out. And that is every time that you're reading your Bible or you're trying to pray, you're wondering, your mind's wondering, and you go to angry thoughts or lustful thoughts or greedy thoughts or hateful thoughts. And as you do this, you know that that is the sin that is in you that God is trying to bring out of you through His Word. I want you to understand that there's a battle that's warring against the law of your mind. What has it done to you? What has this battle done to you? It has brought you un- into captivity to the law of sin and death. Romans 7:24 says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? So do you see it? Jesus Christ gave you a new law, the law of spirit and life. In Romans 8, 2, it says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law and sin and death. So is walking by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that we can be made free from this law of the spirit of death. How can we fully receive the law of the spirit of life? Well, God sent his own son who condemns sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit in Romans 8, 3 and 4. So we must walk after the spirit. So are you ready? Are you ready to understand how to walk after the spirit? Are you ready to reclaim what is rightfully yours? which is your mind. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There's your secret. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we must use scripture as our weapon. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It is the word of God that is powerful, that's going to divide the bone and the marrow, the spirit and the heart, and this be a discerner of what is in your mind. And if you think you can walk this Christian life without the word of God, then you're trying to walk it starving You don't have the help that you need to be able to endure. You don't have the help that you need to renew your mind. You have to be walking in the Word of God. Even Jesus himself knew that he needed the Word of God to conquer Satan when he went into the wilderness. Let's look at Matthew 4, verse 4, 7, and 10. Verse 4 says, this is Jesus, and he's answering Satan, and he says, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 7, he says, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to test. In verse 10, he says, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him and serve him only. So if you have not memorized the word of God, if you have not meditated on the word of God, if you are not feasting and feeding on the word of God, and I'm talking about me here, if I am not feasting and feeding on the word of God, then I don't have anything to overcome my fearful thoughts, my anxious thoughts, my fretful thoughts, my my hateful thoughts, my angry thoughts. I need the Word of God to be able to clearly have the Holy Spirit bring that Word up in my mind so that I can defeat the enemy that's trying to conquer me. It is the Word of God that will pull down strongholds, will cast down imaginations, everything that will exalt itself against the knowledge of God. 
It is the Word of God that will correct my false and negative thinking and the lies that the enemy has told me. So I must take every thought captive in my mind. And when I'm talking about thoughts, I'm also talking about emotions because many of us do not have thoughts. We just have emotions. We just have this feeling of dread or doom or anxiety. And when that's coming, you know you're walking in the flesh. So we must be obedient to Christ to walk in his word. So let's look at Joshua's battle plan. His battle plan was to meditate in the word of God day and night. And let me read you some scriptures about meditation. In Psalms 1, verse 2, it's talking about the blessed man, which would be the happy man. And he says, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. So it is important for us to be meditating upon the word of God day and night. Psalm 63, 6 says, on my bed, I will remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Now, if I have went to bed meditating on scripture, if I have been focused on praising the Lord and singing to the Lord throughout the day, then when I wake up in the night watches, I will have the word of God upon my lips and I will have a praise in my tongue. If I have not, if I have meditated all day long on my anxiety, on my fretfulness, on my fears, then I will wake up and it will be fearful. It will be anxious. It will be fretful. I will have given Satan a foothold and there will be bitterness in my heart the next morning. Or there'll be such an anxiety that I won't be able to start my day afresh with pleasure and pleasantness. Now Psalm 77 12 tells us what to meditate on. It says, I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. So go back and meditate on all the things the Lord has done for you. Now let's go to Psalms 119. Let's start at verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. So you see here David's talking about a path to purity. He's saying he seeks the Lord with all of his heart. He doesn't stray from the commandments of the word. He hides those words in his heart and that is what keeps him from sinning. And to me, my greatest sin is in my thought life. It's in not controlling my thoughts and not exercising my right to have dominion over my thinking and to keep my thinking in line with God's words and within his precepts that I may find that great riches that these words may be fit in my mouth that I might be prepared to speak to another my greatest fault would be neglecting the word of God and not staying in the word day and night meditating upon it at all times and when I neglect the word of God then it comes out in my emotions it comes out in fearfulness in Psalms 119:23 it says though ruler sit together and slander me. Your servant will meditate on your decrees. So when I am slandered by others, I'm either going to do one of two things. I'm going to be angry, I'm going to be and fearful, or I'm going to be meditating on God's word and turning that over to him. The next one is Psalms 119.78. May the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause, but I will meditate on your precepts. So there's another case where someone might be arrogant and prideful, putting shame on you and slandering you. 
David says, all I'm going to do when that happens is meditate on your precepts and ask you to take care of it. And as we do this, God will keep our minds and heart at peace. So I'm going to give you some ways to meditate upon God's Word, some practical ways and some ways that I do it. And I'm not sure where I have gotten all of these suggestions. I'm sure I've picked them up over the years with preaching that I've listened to and with sermons that I have heard. So the first thing I want you to do when you find a verse that touches your heart, I want you to underline it in your Bible, maybe even circle the main word, maybe even write a word in the margin. Then I want you to write that verse on a three by five card on a little piece of paper. And if you can, if it's appropriate, tie that around your neck. Be constantly aware of what you're thinking. Say the verse over and over again and work on it before you go to sleep. And then I want you to look at Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in order to find God's will, in order to walk in God's will, we must renew our mind with the Word of God. Now one of the greatest challenges is to be consistent with this walk. If you can find an accountability partner and do this with them, that would be great. But then if they stumble, you may stumble too. So you'll have to continue holding each other up and holding each other accountable. Settling myself down seems to be my biggest battle. Sometimes it takes me two hours in saying a verse, the first few words of a verse, a hundred times before I get it, particularly if I am not daily consistent on this. But as I be persistent, then it gets easier. That sword, that Word of God is a sword, and it's it's an awkward sword until you get used to handling it. And once you start handling that sword and you get the first few words, then the next phrase comes, and then the next phrase, and before you know it, you have the whole section of passages of Scripture. Ephesians 6 17 says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So a helmet will cover my mind, and in my mind is to be the Word of God, and that will be the sword that will help me defeat anything that's coming against my mind that would be fleshly. And the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, renews my mind so that I may walk in the Spirit and obey His Word. I must at times force my mind to focus. And then I must separate myself from the world, as it says to do in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. It says, Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And only you know what things you need to separate yourself from and what things hinders your walk with the Lord. One of the things that can cause me great fear and torment is if I'm not minding my own business. So here's where I go back to 1 Thessalonians 4:11 And make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your own hands, just as we have told you. Now in 2 Timothy 2.15, it's talking about not quarreling and not quarreling about words. It says it has no value and it only brings ruin. In verse 15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. I cannot correctly handle the word of truth if I'm allowing fear and anxiety and fretfulness and stress and other people's problems in my mind. If I do that, then those things dominate and my mind is not being renewed by the word of God. And I know that that's happening because I don't have any peace in my heart. So the life skill that I need to develop here is finding myself a quiet place. Physically quiet if possible, and if not physically quiet, then mentally quiet. 
mentally quiet within my own heart. Now I need to personalize the verses. I can turn them around and say, I need to avoid godless chatter. I need to mind my own business. I can personalize these things so that I can be preaching to myself and talking to myself and correcting myself. And then I can turn each verse into a prayer. Oh God, help me to delight in your word. Help me to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Help me to meditate upon your word day and night and help me to love your word that I might not sin. 1 Timothy 4.15 says that I, if I am diligent in these matters and I give myself wholly over to them, that people will see my progress and that I will see my progress. Now, what progress might that be? Well, let's look in John 7.38. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So following Christ, study in his word, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God in Romans 10.17. So as I believe, as I study, it increases my faith, it increases my belief, it fits the words of God in my mouth that I may open my mouth and make him known to others, that this river of living water will flow from me to others, others who are lost, who are thirsty, who need the word of God. John 14, 26 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Well, the Holy Spirit cannot remind me of what he has said to me if I have not placed it in my heart and in my mind and before the frontlets of my eyes so that he has something to bring up into my conscience and into my heart to show me the way and the path of life. So I want you to pray for the Holy Spirit to teach you to apply his word to your life and to help you to hunger and thirst for him and hunger and thirst for his word because we cannot muster this up within ourselves. And then I want you to focus on the words, the main word to each verse. And I want you to put these phrases together. And now this is mental work. It is meditation is real work. It's like going to the gym and exercising. It's like lifting weights. And they can be quite heavy until you become strong and until your muscles become firm. Now the goal is consistency and quality of meditation upon God's word, not necessarily the quantity. Now may you overcome the lies of the enemy. The enemy might tell you this won't work, it's too difficult, your, this memorization is wasting your time. I want you to fight the reluctance to open the word and read it. I want you to fight that and I want you to do it. I want you to force yourself. It's like taking yourself by the scruff of the neck and shaking yourself and saying, you will sit here and you will open your Bible and you will study the word of God and you will place it in your mind and you will take your mind off of earthly things and worldly things that you cannot control and you will meditate upon the word of the Lord and you will trust him. And as you take yourself and you just shake yourself and then you say, now God, you've got to do the rest. Because I'm here, I have presented myself to you, I'm drawing near to you, and I'm asking that you draw near to me. He will be there, and he will shape your life and shape your thoughts, and then he will share insight with you, and this word will be mixed with faith, and you may have spirit worship. In John 4:23, it says, But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such as worship him. And then verse 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And in John 8:32, praying his word and walking in the spirit will allow us to regenerate our minds with this truth. And it says, And ye shall know the truth, and this truth shall make you free. And as we become free, free from our mental fear, free from our mental torment, then we are going to be overcomers. In 1 John 2.14, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So let us overcome the wicked one by the word of God. 
by the sword of the Spirit, by the Spirit of life, overcoming the spirit of sin and death, that we might rise up and we might claim what is ours, that we might declare all-out war on our negative, destructive thinking, that we may tear down these strongholds, and that we might focus firmly and perfectly upon the word of the Lord, that we might set our affections on things above, that we might seek first the kingdom of God, that all other things could be added unto us. And may you seek him, and may you find him this day. And this is the Rocky Recovery. This is Angie Meadows. I hope you enjoyed this lesson today. If you want to hear it again, you can listen to it on Rocky Recovery Podcast on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Pandora. And our website is enablersjourney.com. We'll see you later.